KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm so excited to welcome Chastity fans to the TNT mic. She is a fellow podcaster, former top D1 athlete playing basketball. She's got three young humans at home, a husband in the NFL, and a co-founder of the Fan Foundation, helping youth in communities and helping them rise up. This is an awesome conversation about life, keeping it real, addressing the struggle head on, and facing adversity, but overall just remaining grounded, faithful, and hopeful. This is an awesome conversation. If you're in the mix, you're trying to keep the faith and just trust the process. Chastity, I thank you for the time and energy. I can't wait to see what you and George do with this foundation. I hope to see you guys both in Denver soon. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for this video on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am so excited today. We have a connect of a connect. Um, shout out to Devin Scott. We're bringing Chastity Fant to the TNT mic. We just had some, we're warmed up cardio-wise because we just had to figure out some technology. So we will not be giving you a tutorial on how to use Zoom today. However, we can teach you about strength, independence, and uh, women in D1 sports. So without further ado, Chastity, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Having me, <laughs> we are here. Um, like whatever we lack in technological skill, we bring other things to the table. So, this is a good example. You don't have to be good at everything, you just have to have a crew, um, that has this multifaceted. Uh, Okay, so Chastity, I um, on TNT, I don't talk a lot about the background, but in a nutshell, Chastity is a fellow podcaster, a fellow D1 competitive athlete. She's a mother of three, and she's a founder of the Fant Foundation. So I'm super excited to talk about uh, her journey and how life skills, if you've heard my podcast, you know I'm big on life skills through sports, how life skills um, from her athletic journey have really tied into her adult life now, becoming a parent, remaining as a leader, and how it's kind of fulfilling some of her passions and dreams and commitments currently. Uh, you know, I love my fellow athletes, especially my fellow female athletes. I think we had, Chastity and I, we podcasted with Devin, um, had an immediate connection. Uh, I know my fellow strong women, there's just always kind of like this understanding there. And one co competitor always recognizes another. So I saw that immediately in Chastity. And I can see she's bringing this to the table in um, all the avenues of her life. So Chastity, give us a little bit of the 411 on you. Yes, um, I am from a small town, a super small town of Franklin, Kentucky, right on the Tennessee, Kentucky line, uh, 45 minutes outside of Nashville. I was born and raised there. Uh, we about, a lot of people know where Bowling Green, Kentucky is, uh, Vet City. It's uh, probably like 15 minutes away from Bowling Green. Um, I played basketball since I was, what, five years old? And um, it took me um, so many different places. I did travel ball. Um, I met my husband. Um, it got me a four-year scholarship. Um, I went and played basketball at Western Kentucky for four years. Um, it just opened up a, a bunch of opportunities for me. I actually met my husband my freshman year of high school. I was playing at a state championship game, um, actually, at Western Kentucky. He came. I think he he um, skipped school just to come to the girls' championship game. Um, okay. <laughs> there through mutual friends, uh, he got my number, and the rest is history. So I think that was about 14 years ago, 13. Oh, wow. 
long time. We have three beautiful children, um, Jaden, Jason, Emma. Um, and now um, George graduated. Well, George and I graduated in 2015. And don't ask how, but somehow he is in the NFL. Hey. <laughs> After one year playing collegiate football and one year playing collegiate football and probably pay, played five snaps, if that. What? Yes. Wow. So then he just entered right into like the combine and then to the show yeah. draft. So he went to the com- he went to the combine as a tight end. That's what he played in college and um, did very well. He actually broke some records being a tight end, and the Seattle Seahawks picked him up. <laughs> that's insane. Okay, so that's I mean you know your college self. You're like a zero year old. You're 18, 19, whatever. You don't know a lot, and to get thrust into like this really intense professional situation. I mean, the money's a conversation, but the commitment's a conversation, the mindset's a conversation. Uh, how was that transition? Um, it's crazy. It, well, the real transition started when, so I actually signed up, me and him signed, we, I had signed my contract to go play basketball in Luxembourg. And then George was about to, he was um, talking, I think to several other teams. So we were originally, our plan was to go overseas and hoop together. Oh, that is, that's like love and basketball, like 2.0. I love, that's one of my favorite movies, Uh, but that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And then, so two days later, after I had signed my contract, I had found out I was pregnant. So we graduated in May, mid June, we found out we're pregnant. We're having a kid and that kind of automatically terminated my contract. And then, so we kind of had to come up with a plan B and I think it was his dad and his dad's friend that had to convince him to play, go back and play football. They were like, Hey, you're athletic enough. You got the size. Um, you like, you have everything that it takes. So why not? Go, go back a fifth year because you know you get a, um, a fifth year in a different sport. Go back that fifth year, learn the game of football. It's not more so just playing. It's more so learning, like, how to play the game. And so George, you know, he believed them and trust the process. It took a lot of convincing. When he came to me with, hey, I think I'm going to play football, I was like, okay. Like, do what you need to do, you know? What? Okay, wait. So he, you guys were both collegiate basketball players. You were going to go overseas. You find out you're pregnant, and he goes back to college to play football at a top competitive university and the, walks on plays and then took five snaps and then tried out at the combine. Do I have this right? Yes, you have this right. It was, this is okay. like Cinderella story. Okay. It might have been more than five snaps, okay. but yes. I get the point. Yes. <laughs> and then What? Yes, it's it's a crazy story. Um, I was like, I can't wait until you write a book one day. For real? Well, you heard it here first, y'all. I didn't even know we were gonna get this this much juice on TNT. Um, but this is crazy. So I honestly, I'm I'm like, I'm a Broncos fan, but I don't know a ton about the NFL, so I don't know a lot about George. Uh, I'm probably more passionate about charities and youth sports, but I'm here for it. But that's so amazing how that lined up. But honestly, even in you saying like he saw you at a game and got your number. Like this sounds like a, a man on a mission and he's clear and like the faith is there with whatever the pursuit is. Like there's, it seems like there's a little running theme here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy story. And <laughs> there's like days where we sat back probably a year ago, it probably took me a whole year. We would sit back and we were like, dang, you're in the fucking league. Like we still like, <laughs> like six years later and we're like, dang. Yeah. Like, like we went, we were with Seattle for four years with um, Russell Wilson. We're like, dang. He actually, when he signed to Seattle, he went as a tight end, winded up playing his rookie year. Um, he winded up starting. 
rookie year at tight end. Wow. And they moved him to left tackle. And now he he signed as um I think a right tackle with the Jets and went back left and now it's back at right. It's a lot. Oh my gosh, it's so much. But yeah. Oh. I mean, these are what, so like, was this ever his dream as like a child? And I want to talk about you, but the, is, is this like his dream, like to be in that? Cause you know, kid, like we drive to being professional, whenever we play, like kids dream of this. And all of a sudden he switches sports and boom, you're in the NFL. I know it's not that easy, but like, that's unreal. Well, our dream, our, like both of our dreams was to be professional basketball players. Never did we think that this was, <laughs> there's a young human. <laughs> oh, God. You'll hear that a lot throughout the. It's all good. But, um, that yeah, our goal was to be professional basketball players. Never did being a my husband being in the NFL come across our mind. Okay, so two more kids and you have a basketball team. Let's just say that to put that into universe. Um, so this is that's that's insane. Okay, what now? This is a far reaching, but just as I'm uh, 41, I had to think about this. Almost 42. I'm getting back into CrossFit. I know you CrossFit. You semi loved. Um, and I'm. It's this conversation of like mindset. Like, am I going to get burned out on this again? Like, it's a whole thing of like getting back into it. But do you think he was a little bit fresh because he didn't play football all those years? Like now he's not as beat up as everybody else. It did cross my mind. Uh, that's another crazy story. So, George, basketball is a physical sport. Yes, it's not as physical as football, but I feel like you still get a lot of wear and tear. Oh, for sure. That has crossed my mind. It's like, well, dang, yeah, he. some of these guys have been playing since they were, you know, seven, five, seven yeah. years old. And then George just started seven years ago. So I, I think that has helped him out a lot. But also, I know second, uh, George's second year into the league, he tore his ACL, MCL. Oh, been there. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, he came back within six months and he's been dominating ever since. I love this casually dominating. So said so gracefully. So, but I, I love this. And I really, now I, I, this is a perfect shift. Cause I want to talk about you. Cause here you are. And I think a lot of women face this. You've got your dream. You're a mission driven human as well. Like you got your goals. I can tell you're very intentional about your pursuits. How was that immediate mind shift of going from, we're going pro ball to going to motherhood, which is probably more competitive. Oh yeah. That was a whole ball game that I was not ready for. Right. <laughs> Um, I, like I said, I just graduated in May and then the next month, I uh, found out that I'm pregnant. And when I tell you, I gained 50 pounds in those nine months, <laughs> yeah. it was, it, it's, thing, it's something that something, some, anyone would mentally be ready for. Like, there's a lot of things that people don't tell you when it comes to pregnancy or also, you know, I feel like a lot of athletes kind of go into a depression once that, you know, the ball stops, stops dribbling for them. And Absolutely. I, and that, that most definitely happened to me. Um, it's I'm playing basketball. Um, I'm competing and all of a sudden you put a baby in my hand and I'm like, what, what in the world do I do with this? Yeah. Uh, not only that, I haven't even established credit yet. It's like, I gotta, I gotta get a job. I gotta find a career. Uh, my husband is off doing his own thing. I'm pretty much, um, we say a lot of us, um, wives and girlfriends say we're single parents six months out of the year because our husbands and boyfriends are off, you know, um, committed to their job, but it is what it is at the end of the day. But thank God that I did have basketball in life and it did prepare me, um, you know, you know, it did prepare me for that, like mentally wise, like Mm -hmm. being, um, having a schedule, um, you know, being on time, just 
just in different ways. It's kind of hard to explain, but in a way it did prepare me. Not only that I say I had a crazy coach, but she mentally <laughs> prepared me for facts. Yeah. <laughs> but it mentally prepared us for what was to come. Like, yeah. I'm just, I can survive that. I can survive anything. Oh, and this is, I think this is why female athletes particularly, and it's not just about being D one, but I think when you're in the, in these ultra competitive conversations or situations or team situations early on, people don't know how big of a commitment a really competitive sport is early on. And all the stuff you learn as literally like a 16, 17, 18 year old of like, you get hit in the face. My, my coach, I will go with you of saying uh, crazy delicately. So I don't know if it, that's super PC nowadays, but it is that it is and one of our last games full audience all the parents there what have you um she threw a walkie-talkie at us we lost our last game it was trash and like she didn't give a shit and I, and she was like younger she was like 27 28 didn't have kids yet so it, i can see and i coached after college so i could see how like my youthful vibes would still be there of not caring but we were really run through it so i really identify with what you're saying it's like if i can survive this like the, like give me any boss i don't like how bad are they gonna throw shit at me like what's the big deal so who cares um and i think it had to be somewhat applicable because i'm assuming like as you were such a competitive basketball player you probably coached a ton so that had to be similar to motherhood in some capacity yeah and that most definitely helped out um so after i graduated as well and found out that i was pregnant i went on to coach middle school basketball i was a head coach for seventh grade also an in-school suspension teacher as well okay see and being an in-school suspension teacher mixes very well but no uh, i love the job i enjoyed it um and it did it prepared me for a lot as well I love that. I think the transition of how much you have to be a teammate coming from a team, but then in your marriage um, is, I think the sacrifice is great. And I have, I'm not married and I don't have kids. So I try not to speak on things that I don't know. Cause I don't fully know those. That being said, I'm like, when I commit to stuff, I fully commit and I know my independent competitive heart. And I, I see that in you. And I see that in most of my strong females. Um, I think the level of sacrifice is often overlooked on how much you have to give that up. And I don't doubt that it's wholeheartedly worth it, but have you had any internal monologue or conversation around really embracing that sacrifice? Yes. And it's also like something, I mean, it's kind of, you know, like not trying to rub it in your other partner's face. It's like, well, I did this for you and, and yeah. for the, not for you, but you know, for this family. And I, I think it'd be vice versa if it was the other way around, um, even, you know, if he was in my shoes, but I mean, you know, he put, he sacrificed a lot. Like he's sacrificing his body for this family mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you just got to do what you got to do at the end of the day to make things work. It's like the teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe as athletes, you see your competitive self and your journey and how you're going to compete, but it's like all those skills you didn't think about are now for like the team that really matters and the mission that actually matters. And, um, building your own little basketball team <laughs> within the family. Like that's, that's just so crazy. So, okay. So now we're in the NFL, you guys, you know, we're established and these are, you guys are still young humans at this point. These are like some grown ass decisions and even dealing with the NFL as a whole, they're not the most progressive situation. So that's a whole podcast in itself. Um, tell me about how you got this idea uh, oh, and go peep their YouTube channel. I'm digging into more on YouTube myself. So I saw you guys following the fans. It's super adorable. You guys are absolutely a power couple um, relationship goals all the way around, but tell me how this foundation like came to be. Like, how did this, this sounds like a culmination of like your headspace, your heart space and all the skills that coming into something really beautiful. Yes. George and I, we, we've always wanted to give back. We love giving back. Um, just even like when we, 
didn't have it. Like when we, whatever we had, we was going to give to whoever needed it at the time. And so like just being blessed and put in the position that we are today, um, why not? Mm-hmm. Especially to, to the kids. Uh, I know it's corny and it's cheesy, but you know, the youth is a future. Yeah. And, um, and there's me and George, we grew up, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, so why not give these kids unique opportunities and experiences, you know, especially in a small town that we're more than likely they'll never come across. So yes, we started the fan foundation. It started off as a football and a basketball camp, like a one day camp. Um, I think we done it for three years. We missed one year due to COVID. Um, and then we kind of grew from there. I know we've done an event in Seattle. Uh, we've done turkey drives. We did like um, a secret um, where we a secret where back in my hometown we paid for some people's utility bills. Um, and then we we want to expand. I think this year we're going to try and come up to the New Jersey slash New York area. Um, it's just all about giving back, especially yeah. to the youth, and then also trying to you know educate parents, um, especially when it comes to. Um, sports and education. And then I know, I don't know about for you, but for me, like I said, I come from a small town. We don't have too many kids that make it, um, especially at division one level mm-hmm. uh, sports. And I didn't even know about the NCAA clear housing. Oh yeah. Um, or all that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't even know, like I'm getting recruited. I was getting recruited by Kentucky. I had letters from Tennessee, Florida, all these big schools, SEC schools and just from everywhere, even Cali. And I didn't even know about that. So we also want to educate the parents on, you know, what to look forward to or what they need to do or what steps they need to take to help their kids, you know, get to that next level. I think that's amazing because it becomes a business so early now. Like I graduated college in 2004 and I actually had a fifth year because I tore my ACL. So I had a red shirt, but the game has changed so much as far as recruiting and there's Instagram now and all the social media and the rules have changed where they can start recruiting early. Like it is, it's, it's a freaking business early on and they they'll convince parents they need to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on these recruiting videos. And I mean, it's its own business jungle in itself. Um, do you guys, do you guys consult on any of that or do you just run like general workshops or how do you manage some of that conversation? So we have had, um, parents come up to us or even George's mom, you know, and ask for advice. Like, Hey, what should I do? Who should I talk to? Like we try to lead them in the right direction or just give them advice. And it's getting even crazier now because they're putting money into these, you know, I don't want to call them kids, but young adults hands. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot you got to think about and people don't see it's like, Oh, well, they're getting making millions. Yeah. But they're still kids at the end of the day. Yeah. And coming from, George and I's back, our background, it's like, yeah, like when George got put into the NFL, there was a bunch of pressure on him. Pressure on him is like, I got to look out for my family. Mm-hmm. Just imagine putting this pressure on an 18 or 17, 18, 19 year old kid. Mm-hmm. It's. I, I imagine. Yeah, it, it's really um, remarkable. And I actually want to get your opinion on this because when we were in college, we couldn't, not that I was selling women's lacrosse jerseys with my name on it, but uh, maybe in my mind, uh, you know, now they can get, they can monetize their likeness and get paid. And, and I'm not here to see the schools get all the money. My only hesitant or hesitation around these kids getting paid for it is that just like you said, the everything changes. Your passion, your love, this purity around the sport that you bleed now becomes business and 
everything changes. Your, the, your family expects stuff. Like it's just, it's like winning the lottery, but not really. And if you read statistics around the lottery, usually most of those people go into depression. There's all this drama. Um, how do you feel about our student athletes now able to monetize their likeness and, and, and make money off them playing collegiate sports? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't like seeing the university getting all these, all this money, but I think maybe um, somebody ran this idea um, to me when I was in college. It was, well, what if we had like a trust fund? It's like all the money that that kid did receive, they hold on to it until they graduate. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I, yeah. Like I said, I just see a lot of, yes, it's a great thing. It's awesome. I'm happy to see um, these student athletes getting paid what they deserve. Um, but I also see a lot of, I don't know, a lot of controversy coming with it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of money, pressure, a lot of, yeah. Money's drama. It's I'm here for it. We're here for abundance. Um, many more problems. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> cue it. Um, I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate, but I think we just have to do the best we can, but I'm glad that the upside of social media and podcasting stuff is that you can cultivate this conversation and make kids aware of what's going on in reality. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do. Um, and it's, I think that experience of just being a broke college student is also really important when you're, you know, drinking Natty Light and eating Top Ramen and like just being in it. And like, you're still like, it's so funny because as you get older, you can eat clean and do all this stuff. And you're like, well, I woke up hungover, crushed a beer, ate ramen, and then scored a million goals. Like, maybe I'm doing it wrong now. <laughs> like, there's too much at hand. Um, but I think you need those experiences of like just not having anything. So then you understand the importance yeah. of giving back. Cause then when yeah. you receive something like 20 bucks after a game to like buy beer was like the biggest deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't look at it like that either, but yeah, just so you, you know, like maybe there is a kid that didn't ever have to, you know, really work hard for anything, but yeah. Coming yeah. from and well, appreciate it even more. Right. Well, coming from lacrosse, it's uh, extraordinarily privileged for the most part, not all, but a lot, there's a lot of old money in the game. So I don't think coming from a ton is, is beneficial either. I think you just, I mean, whatever God universe Madonna gives you, like you got to deal with your deck of cards. Um, but staying rooted and on the ground, I think is like the key piece. Is there something you and George, um, do, I don't know if you're people of faith or, um, spirituality, but is there something you're intentional about, about keeping grounded and keeping feet on the ground? Cause there's so much going on in, in the world of the NFL and that society. Yeah. Um, we are <coughs> believers. Um, I, uh, go to church. I do my devotion. I try to do it once a day, pray, um, just, you know, being, you know, being committed and growing closer with Jesus is like our biggest main focus right now, especially as a family and as a, a couple. Um, but we were talking, George and I were talking the other day. Um, we were like, dang, we had a hard, you know, childhood. I wouldn't say crazy hard, but you know, pretty hard, but that's something our kids would never experience. Mm-hmm. And then we try, you know, we're like, dang, how can we give them that lifestyle, but also at the same time, keep them humbled and, you know, down to earth. And I feel like we're doing a pretty good job, but. <laughs> okay. I mean, is there something you guys do that you'd want to share like a parenting pro tip of how we keep these humans in humility zone? There isn't. I always tell people, even when it's just life in general, like nobody wrote a book on, you know, life or how to parent. You just do what's best for you and your child and, you know, do right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all you can do. A hundred percent. 
Well, I think you guys doing the foundation, I mean, I'm a bit, anything around leadership, I think is really critical. And um, I mean, as a fellow leader, and if you think about what inspires you, for me, it was also always people leading by example. Like you could tell me a lot and I would sort of listen, but if I saw it and like, I saw someone living it, I was really sold. So I think you and your husband walking in it and doing the foundation, like these, and these kiddos are, I mean, they're so much smarter than us. Like they see so much so earlier, like they really pick up on the details of stuff. Um, So I think you guys walking in it is the best thing you could do. And I 100% agree with you. It's huge. And it sounds, I, I mean, you could get deep into philosophy or religion or faith, but I really, I always say like good things happen to good people. And I, it doesn't surprise me if you are good in the heart, like the NFL happens to work out and the foundation happens to work out. Like, cause you guys are coming from pure space and you're being intentional about putting good into the world. And sometimes you don't have to have that deep how you just have to keep showing up and, and keeping the faith in some capacity. Yeah. I, I would agree with you as well on that. <laughs> what do you guys have coming up? So tell me more about the foundation as it grows. Um, have you ever run something like this? Cause I've seen like 501c3s and nonprofits get, they get a board, they get big and then it like grows into this huge thing. Um, I know you started in 2021, but you had, you know, uh, like over 500 kids at camp. I saw 170 meals for Thanksgiving. Like you guys are, there, there's production here. Like things are happening. Do you have a good grasp on how you're going to continue to build this and, and move forward and how you want to see it grow? Yes. Um, me and George talk about it. Like we, we do our, we do our, um, how our goals, like five years from now, 10 years now, like, what do we want to see ourselves, you know, the foundation and career wise. And for the foundation, our goal is to expand, um, not only in like the area, not even where we're from, but not where George is playing, but just like all over, we want to make it a, a big thing as big as it can go. Uh, but yeah, it takes time, you know, once yeah. time. Um, and have I, you, you you asked me, have I ever ran anything like this? No, but I'm learning as I go. Uh, it's been fun. I really enjoy doing it. Um, the, my best part I would have to say is not, oh, yes, yeah, seeing the kids and the smiles on their faces, but the volunteers have been awesome. Yeah. They're, they've been amazing. Um, when you ask the community to do like help you out with anything, they're like, what, what can I do? What do I need to be? How can I help? It's, it's beautiful back in, um, Last year, December, we had tornadoes hit our hometown, well, Bowling Green, the town of Bowling Green. Um, and it, it destroyed a lot, and a lot of people were affected by it. But just seeing the community, me and George wanted to raise money. But when we called back home, we raised we raised money, and then we called back home and was like, hey, how can we help out? And they were like, like we got everything we need. We don't need anything else. So we did find some families that needed help. Uh, uh, we paid um I think first some rent on some people's and got clothes and uh, necessities for some families, but it's just a beautiful thing. Like when the com- community comes together to help out, it's just so warming. I, it's so big. And I think anytime someone does charity stuff, it's you're doing it for them, but then you obviously receive so much, but it really restores like this deep inner, like hope around humanity. We see yeah. so much negativity on the news and people hating each other. And obviously 2020 on so many levels was so disruptive, but on the flip side, there's actually like good people out there that really give a shit and really want to show up and help. And I think you don't get to see that unless you're being intentional like you and putting it together. Yeah, you, you're right. Uh, I'm the type of person that wakes up and watches the news every morning and all you do, all you see is negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, when communities come together, it just creates a beautiful thing and everybody's attentions, you know, are in the right spot. It's, it's yes. amazing. beautiful. 
I, I will like community and, and sports. And this is why I think life skills through sports are so important. And a major conversation of 2020 was diversity and inclusion. Obviously, we're very late around this conversation on so many levels. But the upside was that things were brought to the table and they're starting to talk about it. I love sports so much, just like music, theater, whatever, because it's such an equalizer. You show up to play. like You already have something in common, regardless of what you look like or anything like that. It's just such an equalizer. And I, I see that in CrossFit now. You don't, I mean, there's, you, somebody can make a million dollars. Somebody can make $20,000. You don't know if they're a division one athlete or they've never picked up a barbell in their life, but everyone comes together over one common bond. Have you seen this with the foundation with like your young kiddos of kids from all over the place coming together and like this unity and community really building? Yes. Um, it's crazy. Like George will invite his teammates or some guys that he's played with in the past or just like friends in general. And He'll be like, hey, you guys, I, I need you here this weekend. Would love to have you. The kids would love to see you. And then when, you know, it's hard to get a bunch of, especially adults together mm-hmm. at, you know, at one time. And then for them, everyone, because they could be, you know, like, no, I got something else I could do. But like, no, George, we'll be there for you. You know, we'll come. Yeah. And then just seeing all the kids, you know, it's like, that's the highlight of the year. It's like, are you going to the, the George fan dream big camp? And seeing all these kids come and just talk about it and everyone just coming together, it, it's, it just, it's like the best feeling in the world, you know? Yeah. Yes, I'm ripping and running around, but at the same time I stop and I take a second and I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can only give thanks. Well, being a part of something bigger. And I think this is why volunteers or people, I think 2020 was also an awakening of like, what am I doing here? Like, what? I'm, how am I spending my time? What's that? Like, what really matters? And I think people have gotten excited to like, give back, get your boots back on the ground, get back in the community, like do something that matters and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Do um, can I make a suggestion? I think you should have the football camp for Georgia. You got to do like chastity fans basketball camp. Like, let's get out here. You got to. I know it's still in your soul. Like, you got to flame the fire here. Yes, I I actually had someone like, hey, can you? Cause camp. And yes, it's a football camp and it's a basketball camp. Yes, my husband's name on it. But it's we want boys. We want you know males and females there. Yeah. Ever. And then they were like, well, maybe you you should do a chastity you know, fant. Well, they, people still at home, back at home, call me Gooch, Chastity <laughs> basketball camp, but yeah, well, it might, it might happen. One we'll day. see. Well, we, we put it out. We put it out there now. So it's floating around. I know it's in your heart. Um, and I don't even know you well, but I could tell. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that materialize because there's, I mean, you can talk about title nine, but there's so many more women in sports and representation is critical. Um, I remember I was never a good hockey player, but there was a female, um, hockey goalie in the NHL when I was younger that played for the Tampa Bay lightning. It was like, I don't even know if she ever played or whatever, but just the idea of it on, um, <laughs> you know, just for an idea like that this could be possible is so critical. And I see you leading young women and being such a phenomenal representation of not just a female, but like as a strong human leader. Yeah. Uh, I, I take a lot of uh, pride in that because you get on like social media and you see some of these influence and you're like, I have a daughter now. I have a two year old mm. daughter. Like some of these people, I'm like, I would never want, you know, my daughter to ever. And it's like, I just, you know, want to be a good lead leader and example for her. Like besides, you know, like I said, social media is crazy nowadays. I know. I know it's, well, this is why we started Tumor and Tequila. Cause I was in the marketing business and I was like, okay, we I don't know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. But we got to get like varsity humans doing real things that are really connected to their heart. Cause like I said, there's good people and like whatever little thing we can disrupt and, and put out there and put 
good humans on the mic. Like we're going to do it because there's good stuff, but you just, the accessibility to the good stuff is really hard. Um, but I, but the more people walking in, I think it really matters. And I think our kiddos, your kiddos will seek it out. Like, I think they know the difference now more than we did. Cause we weren't exposed to a lot of this until we were older. Do you, do, are they already on, are they involved with social media at all right now? Boys, they love YouTube. They love Ninja Kids. I was actually sitting. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, let me sit and watch this and see what's really going on. Because, yeah. You know, YouTube, yes, it'll say it's for kids, but you walk out the room and something completely crazy will come on. But yes, my, my boys are, um, Emma, not so much, but she's my little diva. She's very sassy. <laughs> <laughs> she's waiting for her own show. She's like, I don't care about everyone else. Yeah. She's a tomboy too at heart. <laughs> yes. Right? I love it. So tell us like, what are some of the goals you have for this foundation? Like, where do you, and I love that you don't actually have a hard plan because so much is changing the landscape of everything. And I don't, when people are like, this is what we want, you know, an X, one, Z, and we can see in our own lives, like nothing goes according to the plan. Um, but what are like some ideals you'd love to see for the foundation? I would love to see, um, well, with our football basketball camp, not only was it a day of, yes, they got to hang out with some NFL players or professional athletes or basketball players. We also fed the kids. They got to go home with free t-shirts. I think this year we did water bottles. And in the past two or three years, everybody got to go home with a basketball. And then we had five, the first year it started 300. The second year it was a little 500. And then I think the third year we had a little bit more over 500 over 500 kids we just want to double those numbers each and every year of like i said we want to expand not only to bowling green or like the new york new jersey cities but like everywhere um if george was to move different things we would like to have it there um we want to get more people involved if other athletes want to join the movement and help out uh, we would love to see that we um just want to continue to keep doing what we're doing I love it. Well, if you head out to Denver, come out here, <laughs> Russell Wilson and Sierra out here. I have zero connect to them, but we can pretend. Um, but I, I would love to help in any capacity. So as it's on the agenda, I'll put it out there, holler and let me know. I'm deeply passionate. I want to get more kids involved in youth CrossFit and just like basic stuff. Like if they're not necessarily into like traditional sports, I think it's a good entrance, but I love that there's like a youth initiative. <laughs> nice <clears throat> Sorry, I'm fighting some something out here, but we're hanging in there. Um, so tell me really quickly, uh, was there, I think, you know, as young athletes, we kind of have, we have like our horror stories with our crazy coaches that were actually like really important for our journey. Was there one like teacher or coach or something that had like a pivotal impact for you as a young athlete or just as a young woman? I had many, many coaches and they all helped me out in different kinds of ways. I was a hard, believe it or not, I was a hard headed child. I was very hard headed. Um, it wasn't that I had to learn things the hard way. Uh, I just like to take the harder out. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, but uh, my college coach, I would have to say, um, like I said, I would back then I'd say she's crazy, but it, it has helped mold me and made me the person that I am today. I love it. Uh, was there like one example that stands out where you got maybe like checked or that was maybe she extended uh, an arm of empathy? I don't know. But was there one pivotal thing that kind of changed the game for you? Um. It's just like when she came. So my freshman year, we were losing. I think we only won nine games out of like, what do you play, like 25 to 30 games of basketball in a basketball season, depending on how far you make it. And then when she came my sophomore year, um, she just turned the whole pro program around. Um, I think my last two years, we made it. No, my last year, we made top 25 like twice. We were like, wow. yeah, we made the top 25 twice and we won 30 plus games each season. Okay. So, um, just wow. 
myself uh, coming from a small town, um, and I also had a, one coach who told me, I'm not going to say any names, he was like, you can't, you're not a good shooter, you'll never be able to shoot the ball. And that, you know, that's stuck in my, that was the chip on my shoulder for my next four years of collegiate basketball. And then she just gave me that faith of believing in myself and pushing, pushing me because Chas was not about to push herself. It was like, mm-hmm. I was already not trying to toot my horn. I was a good athlete, but was I, George would tell you, he was like, you're good. You were good in high, high school basketball, but you wasn't a hard worker. And I, I, I agree with him now, but she just pushed me that next, you know, to that next gear. And, um, I'm uh, made like all American and things. Okay. Yes. Oh. That's big. Basketball is so competitive. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Yeah. But... <laughs> Coming to a basketball <laughs> camp near you real soon. Uh, we got a guest. This is Jace. Hi, Jace. Hello. <laughs> Future podcaster. Oh yes, he loves this. This boy right here loves the camera. Loves the camera. I love. Well, that's going to be good for the YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit about that. Following the fans, I saw you guys. It's so you guys are a beautiful family. Um, not lacking in personality in any capacity. I think the the parents are going to have to fight for any any voice. So good luck with the teen years. But tell us a little bit about the YouTube channel. What's going on? I didn't realize. So I'm not really. Um, hold on one second. What? Hold on. Go down. <laughs> this is this is IRL in real life. <laughs> that's it. Go downstairs, Jay. If you don't mind him running around in the background. But um, our YouTube channel, I didn't realize how hard it was to um, be committed to a YouTube channel. So I'm struggling mm-hmm. there, trying to get more episodes up. But I just feel like we live that lifestyle. I feel like it could be pretty interesting at times. We're always on the go, going, going, traveling, you know, George's job, um, kids playing sports. So I just thought it'd be pretty cool to document it. Um, I always, I try and post a lot on social media, not because I want everyone to see, but we have family back at home that, you know, likes, like to keep up with us. And so, you know, that's another reason why I like to post, um, but I, hopefully I can put more episodes up, um, especially like game days or just me traveling with the kids. Just, you know, somebody can, I've had people reach out to me. It's like, oh, Chaz, how do you travel with three kids? You know, it's like, here, I'll make a post about it. So you can just, you know, learn a little bit from my experience. But I love it. Well, it's, it's a little bit weird, especially if you come from, well, we didn't grow up with any of this. So it's all kind of just new. And YouTube is also another whole other social animal and there's TikTok and the whole thing. But um I, any like good varsity human I've spoke with, there's always some struggle of like putting it all out there. And like, it's either imposter syndrome or it's like, I don't want to be the most, or I don't want to be bragging. And I, and this is conversation I've had even with myself, but on the flip side, as we noted in our earlier, earlier conversation, it's like, you see all the, the basic garbage that's out there. And if there's good kids you want to reach and you intentionally are doing good things. And there are like pro tips, like that you can share even the smallest stuff, you got to do it. Like if you've been afforded with privilege or opportunity or whatever, I embrace people like you to share it it is it's a little bit weird and it's a little bit hard but if you think you know the cliche of you can help one person you can reach one person and inspire them to do the same i think that disrupts some of the garbage on a larger level and that's that in itself is enough yeah and and that's exactly my goal and i'm also a very honest person i try and keep everything um 100 i cannot lie for nothing you can ask (laughs) anything not even my height. They'll be like, how tall are you? I'm like 5'11". But George's like, just say six foot. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> are you six foot? I'm 5'11". Well, 5'10 and a half. Okay, I should have, I know, I should have just, okay. <laughs> I mean, I should have, are you over 5'10"? How about that? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, just, you know, putting that rawness, organic, you know, stuff out there. Yeah. I think it's huge. And it's, again, maybe not like the intention. Um, you're supposed to be out, you know, in Europe playing professional ball, but now you're raising a whole basketball team, running a foundation, starting your own basketball camp, doing all the things. Have you had any conversation with yourself about letting go of what you wanted it to be? Like, was that ever a struggle for you? Yes. Um, I don't really, well, I try to, if someone was to ask is after my second child, I went into postpartum depression. Okay. And I played with Emma a little bit. Um, Yes, I, I, it was mostly baby, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, oh, dang, basketball was my life. It's all I knew. I, I dreamed, I slept, I ate, everything basketball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like literally within a day, like that stops for me. And I think even with my first child, now I sit here and think about it, I was kind of depressed. Um, but I just kept telling myself I wasn't crazy. And I also make you know, bring awareness to other, you know, women's like, Hey, I went through the same thing. You're not crazy. Um, it happens to the, you know, the best of us. Yeah. So, but yeah. Well, that identity shift is so critical. You said earlier in the conversation, like very early on, um, our shift from like collegiate sports, even into the real world, I, I would say, I don't know the stats, but I'm guessing 90% of competitive athletes that are now no longer that competitive athlete have some sort of like identity shift. Thus we go into depression because it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. When I turned my ACL and I couldn't play lacrosse, I, that was like my first major depression of life. Or like, well, then who am I? What am I even doing here? I don't care about school. I don't care about anything, to be honest. And if I can't compete, um, what's the point? So it was, I learned that on, has some of that breakdown, breakthrough of those identity shifts, has that helped you as your identity? Because our identity shifts our entire life, but has that helped you now as things have changed and evolved and as you've grown up? It has, I yes. Um, yeah, and that, you know, that dark moment, it did bring a lot of light to me. Um, uh, like I said, I had to keep telling myself I wasn't crazy, but it's like, okay, Chaz, well, you can't, you're not doing this anymore. What, what else can you do? How can you, yes, me playing basketball helped a lot of kids, especially young girls back at home, it impacted them, their lives. Um, you know, just by seeing, you know, a female from a small town, you know, kind of make it, you know, graduate. Um, how else can I touch other youth, you know, other female, you know, younger females lives? So the foundation, you know. So just, yeah, you know, making and finding your, the thing that you're good at. There you go. It's kind of, you just kind of have to like follow your heart and trust it. Like the path will lead. Cause I don't know who said it, but it's like, you usually maybe it's God plan will always be better than yours or whatever, but like whatever you can think it can be, be bigger than that and better than you could even dreamed of. Um, but I struggle with that sometimes. Cause I'm like, no, I got to practice more. I got to eat a certain way. I got to train more. We got to do that. Like I don't, it's hard to let go of that control. I know what you mean. And then also, yeah, trusting the process. Um, I tell George that like, I got to tell him that like once, once a week is like, dude, <laughs> he brought you this far. He didn't bring you this far for no reason. Yeah. So got to keep, yes, I know it takes a lot of patience, but you just got to keep trusting and believing and put in the work and eventually things will fall in place for you. Yes. And I, I have, I literally, I knew we we're gonna have this conversation today. And I, honestly, I woke up cause I was, I didn't feel good. And so I had training and like, I'm not going to compare like CrossFit to the NFL. Cause it's a whole different situation, but it's as you get older and like going back to like our collegiate athlete selves and knowing that mindset doesn't shut off. Like you're constantly training and you got to stay, you got to compete. You got to keep your starting spot. You got to like, there's so much to it. I, I was just thinking about like how as an adult, you stay in that competitive mindset in the NFL or NHL or like, there's so much pressure to perform 
all the time. And even as a parent, though, like you have zero days off. There is no space for you to take a break. Uh, is there anything like mentality wise that you guys do or practice or talk about that can keep you from going crazy from that constant competitive and that pressure? Yes. I, I call them wellness checks. I never really go, but I call them wellness checks. I will sit down with Jordan. I, I try to do it at least once or twice a week. It's like, Hey, how you feeling? Who are you? Um, mentally, like where you at? Like we'll sit down, you know, have pillow talk. And those are some of the questions that we ask each other. That's amazing. Where did you get that? That's a massive, like grown ass, like life skill right there. Uh, it's just something I had learned over the years. Um, and you know, sometimes some people were really good at being in denial about things and we try to hide stuff. It's like, Hey, you, you got to start peeling that, you know, that onion, those layers, mm -hmm. you eventually get to it. But yeah, it's just like years of, and also I feel like, yeah, both of us being athletes and me having an athletic background, um, and knowing what happens, like we say, like a lot of athletes do go in depression. Um, not even only like after, but like even during, no matter like what the situation is, but you know, just understanding like what he's going through. And also number one is understanding like all oh, this is a business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you, even as a kid, you know, it's division one basketball. Yes, we're there to get a scholarship, but it's still a business at the end of the day. Oh, we're a commodity. Like that's what it is. You're being paid to play. And, uh, as hard as a reality that is, if you don't understand that early on, your heart's going to be broken. Yeah. Um, but you got to come to the table as a businesswoman and as a businessman and have your, you got to come correct with your, with your chips in order. Cause that's what it is. Did you, how did you learn that? How did that, how was that awakening? I didn't learn it until like my junior year of college. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it's just like, cause if you keep taking everything personal and literally like you will go crazy. Mm-hmm you will, you will lose your mind. And then, um, thank God I was kind of the type of person also was laid back and was like, okay, well, it is what it is. Um, that helped out a lot too. Um, but just, you know, I, I didn't want to be crazy at the end of the day. So I was like, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to do what I can do. Cause that's all I can do at the end of the day, control what I control. It's another thing my coach used to tell us and, um, put in the work, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. We had like an athlete's class. It was like an easy A uh, my freshman year. And one of the first things we did, um, and it was a uh, female teacher, woman of color, like she did not play. And she was one of my favorite professors. And the first day at this athlete's class, I don't think it was called that simple, but it was like life skills or something as a freshman. And yeah. she gave us the Charles Swindle, um, I don't know if it's a poem or writing, but it's uh, attitude 90% of, you know, whatever happens to you, 10% is what you can control, but it's like your attitude and how you look back at it. And that really is it. Cause we don't control that much. And as, as athletes, I think we think we do and we can, you know, eat better, train more, do whatever. But in reality, it's, it's all about how you react to things. And, and that's the only piece you can control. I'm still learning that. So it's uh, hard. I'm still, I'm still learning too, uh, as we go, but I promise you, like, you know, the sooner you get that, the easier, even life in general gets. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's hard. it's hard at the end of the day. 
and when you have, I hope you guys on the YouTube channel, I'm giving you all unsolicited um, suggestions here. So take whatever you want, but on, I love the, the, I hope you guys can highlight in your relationship, that wellness check. I think that is awesome. I hope you can lean into that on um, the YouTube channel. Cause in any relationship, it doesn't even like marriage, player, coach, family, family is a whole situation. Like any sort of those like real conversations are so hard. And I didn't grow up with that. So that's something I've had to learn and like attain those skills and kind of dig in because it's, it's, it's annoying and it's work to get into like the hard stuff. It's easy to be like, how are you good? Okay, bye. Here's your lunch. Got to go like, on like, it's hard to be like, no, tell me how you feel. And then we got to sit there and we got to get into it and it's exhausting, but it's so deeply important. So, um, unsolicited feedback. I think that's amazing that you guys do that. And talking about that is, is really good. Letting go of becoming crazy. We're all going to be crazy at one point. Um, but it, it just is what it is. Do you have like a favorite quote or saying or something that you lean to when, when shit is going crazy? Um, a quote or saying, Oh, trust the process. Um, yeah. I feel like I've been saying that this whole time, but I mean, it works. Yeah. Well, look, look at your process. I like, I, and I, I also like to explain to people, it is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. It's hard. It's probably going to be some of the hardest shit you'll ever go through, but you just got to keep believing. And there you go. I think college sports, um, I mean, certainly, you know, I see some of our young kids and I see some of the stuff they're going through and I probably don't even know the half of it. And I'm blown away by their resilience as a young person. Um, but I think having some of that like adversity early on through college sports and coaches and like, it's tough to get some of those business situations. Like you're a kid and you don't have a lot of advice or mentorship, or at least I didn't, I didn't understand so much. Um, and I, of course, thought it was the hardest thing in the world, but then you get out of that and you're like, oh, there's actually harder things. But I think it's, it's such good preparation to tackle bigger things. And even when it's hard, it's worth it. Like if it wasn't hard, I don't think we would feel like we're doing enough. Would you agree with that? 100%. It's like, yeah. who wants, who wants it easy, you know? I right. Right. <laughs> we're masochists at heart it's like if it like the worse it tastes the healthier it is the harder it is the better it is like it's i don't know if that i don't know if that switch shuts off ever yeah so i agree <laughs> all right chastity where do we find you i'm pumped to stay connected and see how this foundation grows um how your basketball camp grows uh i, I really hope you lean more into like the youtube and the mic and you guys just highlight what you have going on because I love the realness. I love that you can talk about um, the struggle, but also like overcoming it. Like your process is unbelievable. Of like, you know, we're going overseas, the NFL, like it's so, I can't wait to see what happens next. Cause I don't, it's like written in the stars. Like nobody really knows, but I think you're on an important path to be both you guys, the whole family to be leaders in some capacity. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, our foundation, we have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at fan foundation. Um, my personal Instagram is Chas underscore Gooch, G-O-O-C-H. Um, that's where you can find us on social media. We also have a website for the foundation, which is, uh, fanfoundation.org. Um, feel free, you know, if you're interested. <laughs> I love it. All the madness that's going on over here right now. Um, if you're interested, if you want to volunteer, help out, uh, suggestions on anything, please feel free to reach out. I have no idea who is here at my house. Someone's at the door. I'll let you go get it. This is hilarious. I think Bravo of Andy Cohen's listening. Go get over to the fans. Go bring a camera crew. Just let it be. I think there's a lot of good, a good a positive influencers in motion. But yes, thank you for having me. 
Yes, thank you for joining us. Go check them out. Um, Chastity, we'll keep in touch. And if you come to Denver with the Fan Foundation, you know where to reach out. Um, but I wish you luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.